Some might call this day Cyber Monday, and I will note that this publication is a creation of the internet, but one that resists that particular title. I'd rather point out that today is also Pins and Needles Day, marking a musical review from the late 1930s that I had not ever heard of until writing this opening paragraph for the November 27th edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement. I'm Sean Tubbs, and I'm glad to require myself to learn something new every single day. In this edition, the Virginia Department of Environmental Quality has expanded the number of counties under a drought watch advisory. The owners of Stonefield have filed for a rezoning application that could clear the way for a Tesla sales office. Several ideas to address safety issues on Route 151 in Nelson County are ready for review. And Albemarle County is preparing for next year's budget, and the Board of Supervisors got a recent briefing on the five-year financial forecast. In today's first subscriber-supported shout-out, one Patreon supporter wants you to know that Charlottesville now has an e-bike lending library. E-bikes are a great way to get around the community, but there are many brands and styles to choose from. Because many e-bikes are sold online, it can be a challenge to try an e-bike before buying one. The Charlottesville e-bike lending library is a free, not-for-profit service working to expand access to e-bikes in the area. They have a small collection of the e-bikes that they lend out to community members for up to a week for free. You can experience your daily commute, go grocery shopping, or even bike your kids to school and decide whether e-bikes are right for you. Check out the service at www.ebikelibrarycville.org and thank you to the Patreon supporter for that shout-out. More localities in the Commonwealth are now under a drought watch advisory, according to a new release by the Virginia Department of Environmental Quality in coordination with the Virginia Drought Monitoring Task Force. Here's a section from a press release sent out this afternoon. While recent rain has helped alleviate dry conditions for the short term, it has not been sufficient to overcome the deficits observed in soil moisture, stream flow, and groundwater levels. The number of localities under the Drought Watch Advisory has expanded to 55, up from 13. Localities in both the Middle James River region as well as the Northern Piedmont are included. Albemarle and Nelson are in the Middle James, whereas Green is in the Northern Piedmont. Seven localities are under the more concerning Drought Warning Advisory, including Augusta and Rockingham counties. Bans on outdoor burning remain in place in Albemarle, Nelson, and Green. However, Louisa County lifted its burn ban on November 22nd. The company that owns and manages the Stonefield mixed-use development in Albemarle County is seeking an amendment to the existing zoning in order to allow for an electric car company to run an operation there. Here's a section from a narrative that was available in Albemarle County's land use repository. The request was prompted by interest from Tesla Incorporated to locate a vehicle sales office at 1951 Swanson Drive in the former Pier 1 building. 
However, staff revealed at a pre-application conference that a special use permit would be required for that to occur, as well as a second special use permit for outdoor display. Here's more from the application. The applicant understands that Tesla is seeking another location in the area for a regional service center. Under Tesla's sales and service model, these regional service centers provide repair and maintenance, while smaller sales offices, like the one that was proposed at Stonefield, concentrate on sales only. To prepare for the possibility, Stonefield is seeking a change to the Code of Development to allow automotive sales as a buy-right use in certain portions of the development. More on this story as more questions come back, maybe with answers. The Virginia Department of Transportation has presented potential ways to make sections of Route 151 in Nelson County safer. A 32-page slide presentation from a November 1st meeting is now available for review, and a public outreach process should soon follow. Since earlier this year, VDOT and the firm RKK have been studying a 14-mile stretch of the state roadway and specifically looked at seven intersections from Avon Road to Beach Grove Road. A public survey conducted in the early portion of the study found that safety is the highest priority among respondents. There were a total of 212 crashes from August 1st, 2017 to July 31st, 2022, with 14 severe injuries. There were no fatalities during that time period. At this point, none of the transportation alternatives have cost estimates associated with them. One idea is to convert the intersection of Avon Road, Afton Mountain Road, and Route 151 to a roundabout. Others are to add turn lanes at other junctions. One idea in Nellysford would be to build a shared use pathway to connect the commercial area with the entrance to Wintergreen. This latter one would also build a pedestrian crosswalk near Ediel Road. Next steps will include a refining of the alternatives as well as a final study. Listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and in today's second Patreon Field shout-out, the holidays are here, and the friends of Charlottesville Downtown and the Charlottesville Albemarle Convention and Visitors Bureau are ready for another season of Magic on the Mall. Festivities began this past Saturday, November 25th, and coming up later this weekend, there will once again be something for every member of the family. The Jolly Holly Trolley will be running up and down the mall from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Saturdays and Sundays through December 23rd. You can take free selfies with Santa from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Saturday, December 16th. Go on a magical scavenger hunt to find the elves in Seaville by starting at Charlottesville Insider or downloading the map online. Follow the Peppermint Trail where you can find all sorts of treats. You can locate the map in a link in the newsletter. Downtown businesses will have a festive face-off in the Best in Snow window competition. You can vote for the jolliest. And celebrate with the Shabbat House of UBA on the fourth night of Hanukkah with a menorah lighting and traditional foods. Here is the very first radio advertisement in this podcast. All aboard the Holly Trolley! (laughs) 
Every Saturday and Sunday from Thanksgiving to Christmas, bring the family to the downtown mall for free rides on the Holly Trolley, a festive train experience for all ages. Sit back and enjoy the sights as the train chugs along from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. The Holly Trolley is part of Magic on the Mall, a series of free holiday events on the historic downtown mall in Charlottesville. Other events include selfies with Santa, elves in Seaville scavenger hunt, the Peppermint Trail, and more. There's something for everyone. Visit friendsofseaville.org slash magic for more info. Visit friendsofseaville.org to learn more. And we're back from the break, and there's one more story to go. There are still many months before Albemarle County's supervisors will adopt a budget for the next fiscal year, fiscal year 25. Between now and then, a lot of things have to occur, such as the release of property assessments for Albemarle County for 2024. Staff have been preparing the budget development process with a series of work sessions with more scheduled in December. On November 15th, they took a look at a five-year forecast intended to gauge basic assumptions about the fiscal weather. Andy Bowman is the Interim Assistant Chief Financial Officer for Policy and Partnerships in Albemarle County. He said long-range planning is used to help ask questions about the financial health of the county. Long-range planning is really about where does our long-term trajectory look like in the county for the next five years. Really asking ourselves, uh, are we making decisions today that we'll be able to afford in the future? If, if, if we have challenges, we expect we cannot, you know, what might be done differently with a strategy or policy lever to help change that trajectory? During the presentation, Bowman showed a slide depicting the percent change in revenue growth for each year going back to fiscal year 2007. That's when Albemarle began to assess real estate on an annual basis. So we have this as just a framework as we think of what the future, we need to at least look and contemplate the past and how that may impact us. Since that time, annual growth in county revenues has been at about 4.5% each year, on average. But that doesn't tell the whole story. Revenue growth in Albemarle was around 8% in fiscal year 2008, but then the Great Recession hit in 2008, and there were several years of much smaller growth. And though officially the Great Recession ended much sooner than fiscal year 14, it took a while for county revenues to recover at that time. Revenue growth began to increase year over year until the pandemic, which ended up not slowing down county finances as badly as had been anticipated. Uh, this was a period uh, really prior to the pandemic where there was another period of relatively stable revenue growth year to year. And then the last four years, we've been in a very unique time where we saw a very deep, but very abbreviated recession that happened in fiscal year 20, where the impacts extended into fiscal year 21. The past two years have seen higher levels of revenue growth than in the mid-2000s, with a strong real estate market bringing in sharp increases in revenue, with a nearly 12% increase between fiscal year 22 and fiscal year 23. Bowman said it's too early to determine what property assessments will be for 2024. In October, supervisors got an economic forecast from a Virginia Tech professor that indicated that Albemarle's economy remains strong. Second, we know that our national economy has cooled from this time a year ago. There have been a lot of mixed indicators. The cooling has not been as fast or maybe as deep as was thought, but we certainly are in a, a situation where we don't have as strong revenue growth as we've seen in the last two years. This does not mean that we are in a recession or declining revenues. It's just the rate of growth is not as fast. For now, Bowman projects that revenue growth will likely continue to be at around 4% over the next several years, but preparing for a slowdown would be prudent. 
especially when you begin to think about expenditures. Bowman then began to show charts comparing revenue projections with anticipated spending, beginning with one that only funds mandates and obligations. Under this scenario, there's no projected gap, but that would not implement the ambitions embedded in the Board of Supervisors' strategic plan. This leads us to know, at least at a very starting point, we are uh, you know, fundamentally balanced. But the challenge ahead is the board's strategic plan does not keep a status quo and only meet mandates and obligations. We then had to go through and consider all the conversations we've had with the board over the last year plus in the strategic plan. There are six goals in the strategic plan adopted by the Board of Supervisors in October of 2022. Goal six is for workforce development and reads... Recruit and retain engaged public servants who provide quality government services to advance our mission. Christy Shiflett is Albemarle's chief operating officer, and she said the county has been working on this issue, but said they found hurdles in the process in a competitive employment environment that includes not only the University of Virginia and the city of Charlottesville, but localities all across Virginia. When we provided a 4% increase in July, um, most of our market did something different. The average uh, increase was about 6% for our market. So um, that was one shift. Another is a continued desire by many to work at home for at least some of the time. Another is the increasing cost of living in Albemarle. All of these add up a looming capacity problem for Albemarle. We have been maintaining about 80 vacancies since July. Shiflett said staff would like to increase calculations that go into the county's pay scale in order to become more attractive to potential employees. They're also seeking permission for a mid-year 2% cost of living increase for all county employees and will seek a 5% market increase for fiscal year 25. A decision point on that will be before the supervisors at their December 6th or December 13th meeting. Other potential investments flow through other strategic plan goals. For instance, goal one is for safety and well-being. So there's funding anticipated for the new community response team, renovation of the Albemarle Charlottesville Regional Jail, and expansion of the county's court system. The long-range plan offers a reminder of what funding Albemarle will have to provide when federal grants run out. Here's Ryan Davidson, the county's deputy chief of budget. FEMA is the Federal Emergency Management Agency, and SAFER stands for Staffing for Adequate Fire and Emergency Response. The county has currently been approved for three FEMA SAFER grants that fund approximately 50 fire rescue employees for three years for each of those grants. Those positions began to be funded in locally in FY24 with increases in our local costs and our local shares in FY25, 26, and the other out years as those grants expire. Strategic plan goal number two has the title Resilient, Equitable, and Engaged Community, and this is where anything related to climate action goes. That includes funding for a northern convenience center, funding more equipment for recycling, and implementing the county's stream health initiative. Goal number three is infrastructure and placemaking, which is where justification for broadband initiatives comes in, as well as the county's new street sweeping initiative, as well as new efforts to keep the entrance corridors better maintained. There's also local money programmed in the budget to be used as a match for other grant opportunities. The transportation leveraging funding 
that was included in the FY24 to 28 CIP as it speaks directly to this goal and objective, and we'll have more conversations on that at, at a later time. There's nearly $2 million in the transportation leverage funding in the current fiscal year, and the adopted capital improvement program anticipates that climbing to $10.8 million next fiscal year, $6.5 in fiscal year 26, $5 million in fiscal year 27, and $4 million in fiscal year 28. Goal number four is quality of life, and this is where operational funding for new positions related to housing is justified. This is also where parks and recreation funding stems from, such as new operational funding for more maintenance crews. Goal number five is education and learning, and that will be discussed in more detail at the December 6th joint meeting with the school board. But I do want to note that the five-year plan provides funding to the school operations based on the operating formula around the revenue allocations and the revenue splits with the school. In other words, the school gets a percentage of any new revenue for their purposes, according to a formula. Davidson concluded the staff presentation by showing a graph that showed expenditures that are not mandates and obligations. Not surprisingly, there's a revenue gap of 1.5% in fiscal year 25, climbing up to 6% in fiscal year 29. As we look through and we continue to look at the choices and the menu of options that have been provided, those lines can close and widen depending on what choices and discussions are had with the board. Supervisor B. Lepisto curtly thanked staff for the information. There is a lot of information here, and a lot of it is frankly worrying uh, to me because of the fact that we're going to have the expenditures and revenues, uh, that gap there, and I guess we'll find out later on how we're going to be closing that gap. Lepisto currently made special mention of additional support that she said volunteer fire and rescue companies will be seeking. Outgoing Supervisor Donna Price said she also supported more efforts to increase compensation, but had one item she would like to see to encourage more people to seek elected office. And I can say this because it has no direct personal impact on me, but I believe that the supervisor compensation is inadequate. And I would very much like to see a comprehensive compensation review of supervisors, not just the staff. Supervisor Ned Galloway said he supported efforts to increase compensation to fill some of those vacancies. He said the presentation illustrated how integral the strategic plan is to county government and what gets funded. And I think it's always important to tell folks, taxpayers, what drives these decisions. Well, the strategic plan is informed by what we hear that our taxpayers want in the community. So we best darn well get the folks that are needed to make that strategic plan happen and the compensation strategies needed for that. Supervisor Diantha McKeel said the presentation fueled her conviction that the county must do more to attract or grow new businesses in order to increase the share of county revenue that comes from taxation of commercial uses. I remember ways back before the pandemic talking about how a healthy and reading about how a healthy community has to have about 30 to 35 percent of their revenues from a ta from business tax base to be healthy right to to not put so much of an emphasis on property tax and 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 um residential about 30 percent 35 the last time I looked, we were at 18 or 19 percent. And so all I'm saying is we have a lot of work to do, in my opinion, around economic development. 
Bowman said staff would return with a precise number at a later date to answer Supervisor McKeel's question. I'll have more from future work sessions, and I'll also have more from previous work sessions in future editions of Charlottesville Community Engagement, including a key one on transit that I really want to go back to because I think that will be an important one for the community to know, and that's what Charlottesville Community Engagement is for. But we are now at the end of number 606. Much needed rest occurred during the Thanksgiving break, though there are many pangs of regret that so many stories I want to have already written still await me. These include segments on transit, Charlottesville's development code, and economic development efforts in Albemarle. There's a lot to write about, and for three and a half years now, I've been trying to capture as much as I can. I can do this because of paid subscribers. Over 550 now and about another 100 in Patreon. I'm confident that with time, that number will grow, as well as will my capacity to continue bringing people information about what's going on, including linking to the work of my colleagues in journalism. If you'd like to help support this with a paid subscription, internet provider Ting will match your initial subscription, whether it be the $5 a month level, $50 a year, or the $200 a year level. Like me, Ting is here to support the community, and I am appreciative of their support and yours for listening until the end. The end for today. Let's get ready for 607 and goodbye. <laughs>